Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. I'm not here to to, to defend John Calipari, but... <laughs> you probably come to the wrong place if you were. <laughs> Pete Thamel. Do you think we could see more than two-year postseason ban with Kansas? And SI's Pat Forty. If this does go committee on infractions, I would say there's a chance, yeah, three to four. Wow. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Thanks for listening. Appreciate all you guys. Our, our listenership is up dramatically during uh, the COVID quarantine. Uh, and we appreciate all of you sharing it on social media and subscribing and telling your friends about the the joy that we bring America. <laughs> because that's really what we're doing here. It's not just in parts of Canada, maybe some expats around. I don't know. I think um, we're worldwide. Come on. And, and I think, too, Dan, it's important to say, like, we appreciate when people hit us on Twitter with obscure things that we talk about that, like, oh, yeah. fall in line with our thought oh. process. That's like <laughs> my favorite is when someone's like, you guys need to talk about this and read this. And they are like 98 percent like dead on. It is good. There's like yeah. some community newspaper in Bismarck, North Dakota, <laughs> has a story about a crazy squirrel. <laughs> Yes. And I get like five <laughs> links to it, like 30. <laughs> they get us. They get us. We get them. Yeah. It's, we're so sophisticated. It's it's hard to believe that <laughs> yeah. listeners can keep up, but they do. They're like, how, how do you come up with topics? There ain't no sports. Like, oh, don't worry about that. Man. We can't even fit every single week. We can't fit all the crap we want in here. Like, yeah. I don't even know what to do. Yeah. Everyone asks me, are you doing, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah. Doesn't matter if there's any games anymore. It's all absurd. No. <laughs> all right, so we are uh, we are under penalty of law to discuss the last dance as all sports podcasts. But I'm going to break that law. Oh, we got too much good stuff. I'm enjoying the doc, but let me let me recap it. Michael Jordan is awesome, and anyone who ever said real or imagined that he isn't awesome for one second in time is a horrible person and should be mocked and scolded <laughs> on ESPN. That was your review of episodes one through eight. <laughs> Uh, I was I, I like the show, but come on, man. Like some of this stuff, like George Carl didn't say hi at yeah, a restaurant right. once. Like, come on. The best yeah. tweet last night was that somebody said, tell Michael, tell Michael Jordan the coronavirus disrespected him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right, that's what we take need. That down. Yeah. Yes. Good God. Some of this stuff. I mean, it's like any made up stuff. I mean, whatever. It's fine. That's who he is. But yeah, that's not why Michael won the champ. Was Michael not going to try in the finals if George Carl had come <laughs> over and said, 
hey, Michael, nice of you. How about I buy your dinner? No, come no, on, whatever. No. So we'll get to more of this, but I promise that absolutely any time, any time there's a legal filing in which someone is demanding that a star <laughs> basketball player admit he was paid to attend Duke. Yes, pristine, perfect, Coach K, still black as coal hair, Duke. Oh, we're going to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't care what documentary went down the night before. People say, oh, you're going to ignore the, the, the media doesn't want to discuss Duke. Oh, really? Oh, we do here. Oh, Believe yeah. me. What a Mother's Day gift that little legal filing <laughs> popping was. Uh, how about that? Woo! I imagine there are some mothers who are like Carolina fans who are just like, I don't need any more gifts. I just, I'm, I'll just read this this legal filing over and over. If you missed it, Gina Ford, the president of Prime Marketing Sports, is demanding in a legal filing that Zion Williamson. Yes, Zion Williamson, heard of him, obscure little player down there in Durham, was paid. His, his parents were paid. Everyone was paid for him to attend Duke University. Now, these are just allegations, but the I'll, I will read you some of the better parts. Some of them were repetitive. It was it was like numbered. Yeah. Point five, admit that you knew that Sharonda Sampson, that is Zion's mother, demanded and received gifts and economic benefits from persons acting on behalf of Duke University directly and or indirectly to influence you to attend Duke University to play basketball. Admit that you knew Lee Anderson demanded and received gifts, money, and or other benefits from persons acting on behalf of Duke University directly and or indirectly to influence you to attend Duke University and play basketball. Admit that before you were a student at Duke, you knew that Lee Anderson demanded and received gifts, money, and other blah, blah, blah. Same with mom. Admit that, uh, I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah. Admit it. Adidas paid you. Nike paid you. People for Duke paid you. Everyone was paying Zion. And as a longstanding policy we have here, fine. Dude was worth it. <laughs> Dude was worth it. But still, here we are. So I want to get to the Coach K part in a minute. But I want to, I, so I want to start with, it, this goes back to our discussions about name, image, and likeness and how this is going to create chaos and bidding wars and all this stuff. It's already happening. <laughs> this is the single most prominent college athlete of the last five years at the one or two or three biggest brand in all of college athletics, Duke basketball. Maybe you can go with Alabama football right now. I don't know. I doubt it, though. And this is the, the epitome of college coach. Mike Krzyzewski, right? All of this is happening there, according to Gina Ford. It's already going down. This is the chaos you're going to get. So it's wild. Who knows if Zion ever got the money? Who knows if this stuff is true? But here we are, this crazy lawsuit. As Pete pointed out, we now have Zion's recruitment mentioned, uh, this is Pete's story, in three separate legal situations, two federal criminal trials and one civil suit. It started when Kansas assistant Curtis Townsend was on a wiretap discussing uh, with an Adidas consultant, Williams' stepfather desire for, quote, cash in the pocket and housing for him and his family. Later, there was a filing uh, on behalf of Michael Avenatti that included conversations between Nike officials about, quote, willing to do whatever may be needed for Williamson. The price tag of 35000 plus 
Uh, it better be plus because if they got away with 35, they got a deal. And now there's this. So, Pete, why don't we start with you? Because you, you, I saw your column. I don't know if Pat wrote one or not. I didn't read it. Um, <laughs> Come on, man. I wrote one, too. I read Pat's column. Uh, I, didn't know. I was busy being a good husband on Mother's Day. Mm. That's what I was busy okay. doing. Okay. So I, I'm a little little behind. We'll get to both of you. But, Pete, uh, your thoughts just on on Zion and, and this whole situation. Well, before we dive in, I want to answer the question with a question. As you two probably combined have 60-ish years of experience covering college sports, if not somewhere 50-plus, is Zion the first athlete to have three different legal situations pop up from his recruitment? Like, th- this is maybe Reggie Bush. Like, like it, it, you know, I, I tried to look in the NSA record book. There was no there was no spot for legal ties to a recruitment. <laughs> but that's like a daunting number. Like, that's can you impressive. ever recall in the history of college athletics someone having three different lawsuits tied to their recruitment or three different legal squabbles tied to their recruitment? Yeah, I don't recall that per se. I mean, I, I know Hartley Dykes was a wide receiver oh, that went to Oklahoma State, yeah. got four schools on probation. Yeah, but that was that wasn't legal. That was that was. NCAA I was going to mention that. Yeah. yeah, I did not know. I did not was not around for the Hartley Dykes, but he is the legend who put four schools on probation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, that's some solid work right oh, there. Yeah. For- <laughs> <laughs> if if this pandemic lasts, we're just gonna have to go back in time to like the was that late eighties, late uh, early nineties, yeah, yeah, and do like an oral <laughs> history of the Hartley Dykes NCAA case because that has to be fantastic. <laughs> I was talking to a, a a prominent NBA agent the other day, and he we were talking about a kid who's coming up in the process, high school, college, whatever. And I said, "Are you you going to be involved in that?" and uh, it's already, you know, the rumors are all just it's 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 going to end in lawsuits, multiple lawsuits. He goes, anytime one of these guys gets it gets off the rails that early, I'm out. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all you're going to do. <laughs> it's yeah. basically like you see Hartley Dykes. You're like, ah, should I dump in? Oh, no, we're all getting we're all going under. Right. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just wait. There'll be a bunch of lawsuits. He'll pick the wrong guy. I'll swoop in at the second contract and try to get him then. Uh, yeah, he goes, don't even make a call. You don't even want to be on the wiretap uh, <laughs> with that kid. So I would think as great of a player as as Zion was, uh, there's probably some people who are regretting ever trying to get him because clearly this is a circus and you have three different things and who knows. So anyway, back to what you were saying, Pete. That was my first impression was like looking back. It was like, oh, yeah, I remember the Curtis Townsend wiretap. We'd written about that plenty. And then I was like, oh, yeah. He ended up in the Avenatti thing. And it's funny, too, the Avenatti part of it. Now, people will have their opinions on Avenatti. To me, that was actually pretty real because it was, you know, essentially screenshots of text messages between two Nike employees. So, again, like the the bidding for Zion was real. And it, it, in again, one of the fundamental tenets of how I've, I viewed this sort of case when you look at the Adidas thing and everything else. And, and I really believe this. I mentioned it quickly in my column today is Adidas was not bidding against themselves. Like Brian Bowen, it wasn't like somebody woke up one day and were like, we're going to pay the Bowen family $100,000. Like there was a market. There was a clearly defined market. And so if Brian Bowen was a middling top prospect, like a top 30, 35-ish type prospect. So just like use your imagination and think of what the buzz was around Zion. What You just had this freakish kid. Now, again, he wasn't the number one player. I don't want to overstate that. 
But he was definitely the most intriguing player, and this stuff matters to the sneaker companies especially. He was definitely the most socially followed player. Like, he had the buzz. He was the intriguing guy. So my, my like, thousand-foot takeaway from this is that uh, Gina Ford from Prime Marketing tried to get her hooks in, succeeded, and basically got booted out by CAA soon into the process. And now she's basically like, forget this. I've got enough where I can leverage, because she's not only leveraging Zion, but she can leverage Nike and leverage Duke and CAA. Like four and entities Adidas. that don't. Yeah, and Adidas. Yeah, yeah, four entities that really don't want. And I guess I didn't include Adidas because CAA, Nike, and Duke are all tied together. Like they all have an interest in making this thing go away. So she's 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 doing one huge leverage play that essentially says, you know what? I'm throwing my career away to leverage them as much as possible. Because who's going to go sign with Gina Ford right now? I thought it was interesting. Pat pointed out earlier, like she had some dealings with Manish Sood before he went away. Like uh, Dana O'Neill from The Athletic wrote that today. Like she basically, to me, is making a calculated decision. And again, if you're coming here for like real legal advice, you've come to the wrong podcast. But in my in my estimation, knowing like the underworld and knowing these situations, she's basically saying, I'm going to leverage Zion for as much as possible because by suing Zion, and well, by Zion suing her and her counter suing, she's essentially giving up on at least the basketball space. Who, what, what kid in the class of twenty twenty one is like, yeah, I'm going to go with Gina Ford, the one who tried to, you know, put her foot on Zion's throat. That's not exactly like the best way to build a client base. So I feel like she has a payday coming, has seen it, and this legal filing is a way to leverage that. Yeah, I think that this is a this is a clear play for a settlement. This is a push to 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 threaten. Zion and his people into settling this lawsuit, and I'd be very surprised if they don't, because as, as Stu Brown, the, the NCAA expert attorney that I talked to, said, he said, it could be a little bit of a shot across the bow to say, whether our lawsuit has merit or not, do you really want to get into answering these sorts of questions? He said, at some point, you could be forced to answer questions under oath in a de deposition or in a courtroom. And my guess is no, they want no part of answering these questions. They're extremely leading questions because they know the answers. Do they have the actual <laughs> proof? I don't know. You know, do they have? But look, there was plenty, plenty of smoke around the whole Zion Williamson deal. The fact that Avenatti came up when I was working with you guys at Yahoo, I went by where his alleged house was in Durham and took pictures of the thing. I don't know. I can't say for certain that it was where Zion's parents lived, but there was strong suspicion of it. It was a really nice house, by the way. You know, there, there was just a lot of smoke around his living arrangement, living situation, and the NCAA did look into the house. Now, what they found out, don't know, but it certainly didn't result in any sort of, uh, of an allegation from them. So whatever they found out apparently passed enough muster there. Yeah, the thing is this, that I, you know, I, nobody cares whether Zion got paid. A lot of people care whether Duke and Nike are continuing to get away with stuff that everybody else is getting nailed for. You know, Adidas got absolutely smashed. There are 13 schools that have or are likely to get notices of allegations in the SDNY stuff. 12, actually, then plus Memphis with the James Wiseman Festival. And <laughs> that's, that's like 17% of the Power Six. That's not a small number. And who's been the most successful program at recruiting? Duke. And we've just seen, we saw the one thing we learned from the SDNY investigation is exactly how high-end recruiting works. 
We think Duke didn't do it that way. We think Kentucky didn't do it that way. We think North Carolina didn't do it that way. So the people that are getting hammered right now are like, hey, what about the ones that were best at this? When are they going to get hit? And stuff like this comes up and just whets their appetite for seeing Duke go down. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think there's any question. It's it's you know we've been saying all along since this started when when the Southern District and the FBI hit these schools, it was always like, well, who, who, like what about the ones that got the players? Yeah. Like you know, I mean, NC State got busted. Now they were you know, I mean, if you believe all TJ Gasnola's testimony, they were trying to cheat, but it's like. They ain't even any good. <laughs> right. What about the other two damn schools over there? Like, yeah. good God. Duke's yeah. had 10 Dennis Smiths the last yeah. five, six years. Yeah. NC State's had one. Yeah. Right. yeah. They get two Dennis Smiths a year at least. Part of it, and I think like what's intriguing is when you talk about the three different legal things that came up, it's three completely different cases. One is an assistant coach talking candidly on a wiretap that he does not know is being tapped. Okay, so you would have to believe that Curtis Townsend, the Kansas assistant, just for reasons we have no idea, just decided to tell, to, to say that Zion Williamson's stepfather had a desire for cash in his pocket and housing for him and his family. Just decided to say it, even though he had no knowledge of it, and was just making it up, just saying it, even though he had no idea that he was on a wiretap, obviously. You then would later have to have a separate case by Michael Avenatti, who never even had anything to do with basketball, but took a whistleblower, a, you know, a, a, an AAU coach at, for a Nike AAU coach in California, comes to him and says, I got fired. Represent me against Nike. Avenatti's in prison because he tried to extort Nike. That's what he was ruled on doing. Not He didn't know bat. He didn't know nothing about basketball. He didn't know anything about college basketball at all. Wasn't a basketball fan. And he uncovers these text conversations. And then you have this, the point person that, you know, is alleging it. So it's like at some point, boom, glad you went by Zion's house. That's that's not creepy at all, Pat. Um, <laughs> no, I, we've all done the drive-by yes, thing. We have. Uh, yeah, I've all done it. Yeah. What's there, worse is when that. he texted me the pictures of it, I was excited. So that yeah. makes yeah. me no, like guilty by voyeurism. January 2018 uh, or whatever, whenever Zion was in school, 2019. Done a few done a few stakeouts in my time. Uh, the best yeah. was when Reggie Bush's parents had the house in San Diego they were living in. Oh, yeah. And the reason that you knew it was Reggie Bush's parents because they got a new driveway. And they put their name in the driveway and <laughs> etched it into the subtle, very subtle. <laughs> kind of hard to say. Well, I just I'm just staying here for a couple of days. Your yeah. name's in the driveway cement. I, maybe, maybe not. Anyway, um, we did one regardless. at the New York Times outside an Auburn professor's house when they had the sociology scandal. So we we're trying to get a picture of him. And uh, this is like the, the cruel world of journalism summed up. And I remember like I was doing something else that day and the photographer sitting out there. He, he was like it was like a hot day in Alabama. It was like May or June. And so I had to go bring him water. Right. Like so like he was like out there for five hours. He finally gets a shot of the guy. And then when we run the investigation, they don't run. the. And I'm like, you have to run the picture <laughs> for five hours. I was like, no, it's not fair. Not fun. Not fun going through this. Anyway, no. this is this is all part of showing what an absolute scam this is. Always has been. And here is your perfect example. All right, let's get to this to Coach K. All right, look, none of us care. None of us have ever cared. I just don't really care. Zion Williamson was worth every single penny. Barack freaking Obama showed up at Cameron Indoor Stadium yeah. to watch him play basketball. All right, Zion deserves it. 
I've thought that forever. But here is the scandal. Coach K, uh, you know, if this was 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even a different coach, it would cling. Yeah. I This, this case, all right, a spurned would-be agent of a, of a star athlete who then signs with the more established thing was the exact same thing that happened with Marcus Camby at the University of Massachusetts in, ni- in, the, in the 1990s. Marcus just admitted it because he's just, that's the kind of guy he is. He says, yeah, I took the money, right? You guys, heard, I took it, and then he paid back the, the NCAA. But they stripped, they put him on probation. They stripped the Final Four. John Calipari's reputation has never recovered from that. Never recovered. Now, the Derrick Rose situation did not help. Okay? No, so, it did not. It's a repeat offender. I'm not here to 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 defend John Calipari, but <laughs> you probably you come to the wrong there, place if you were. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I don't think that 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 jury would not go very well. But this is what we're talking about with Bill Self and all these guys yelling. What the hell? Like you will net you your reputation is scarred forever if this happened 15, 10, 20 years ago. A player took money from an agent while playing. How did you not know? Okay, and look, this is Zion Williamson. You know, or Steve Fisher, any of these guys that got crushed on this, should Kay have known? Shouldn't this be the kind of player that shows up and you go, we got to keep an eye on this guy? Like, yeah. exactly what's going on with this guy? I mean, if you're going to take Zion and God bless you. So, should this impact, should this cling to Kay a little bit? I don't know. What do you think? Well, here's the list of things that somehow haven't clung to Kay. All right. You want to go back and say, Dan, as you very well know, Corey Maggetti. And that situation. Families moving to Durham, like Chris Duhon's mom, Carlos Boozer's family, I believe, moved to Durham. Marvin Bagley's situation. Uh, Lance Thomas was sued by somebody for, like, was an agent for, like, $100,000 worth of jewelry he got while he was still at Duke. And now you throw this in here. Wendell Carter's name came up in Christian Dawkins' record, as Pete and I reported in in, in his expense reports for getting money in 2018. There's a lot of things that somehow have not stuck to Mike Krzyzewski. And the answers now, it's pretty funny. The answers now are just, well, we're referring you back to our statement from a year ago, year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever. We looked into everything. Nothing's there. Okay, great. And I, I mean... The fact of the matter is, I, there's just no reason to believe that Mike Krzyzewski is above the fray. There's none. There's increasing number of reasons to believe he's right in the middle of the fray, doing business the way everybody else is. Yeah, he almost is the fray in a, in a <laughs> lot of ways when you right? uh, when, when you really look at it. And look, everything pivoted for Duke in 2014, all right? That's when Jabari Parker showed up on campus. Yep. Rodney Hood w- sat out a year as a uh, as a as a transfer from Mississippi State, and those were their their two first round picks. But from from that point on, and they they'd had Kyrie Irving, they'd had Austin Rivers, they had a few other guys. But to me, that Parker arriving there was a distinct pivot point in Duke in terms of philosophy, in terms of the caliber of recruiting, and basically in terms of. Mike Krzyzewski saying we need to be like John Calipari, Kentucky to sur- to survive. This is going to be our way and our model. And then from there, you saw Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones, Jaleel Okafor in that class. You saw Brandon Ingram show up. You saw, you know, Harry Giles, who was a great recruit, who just injuries held him back. You saw Tatum. You saw 
uh, Wendell Carter, Marvin Bagley, Cam Reddish, RJ Bears. Like you just saw like an all NBA team essentially show up over a, over a five year span or so. And that was a, that was a distinct philosophical pivot point. And there is no way you can tell me that all of those guys came, you know, through, through pure matters. There's just no way it happened between the, the way the agent world is so in symbiosis with the, uh, with the AAU world. And the, the, you know, the eventual growth earnings potential of those players. Now, how was it done and why was it done? We're not we're not all sure. But the Zion thing showing us people are trying every way possible to uh, to to pay this kid. And so, no, I, I agree. A lot of this has not stuck to Coach K, but you would be naive to defend him in in any way uh, from, from not having knowledge of all these things happening on all these recruits. And so let's end the white hat and the black hat. It's been saying forever. They're all gray hats. They're all gray hats. Enough. I mean, and, and you're right. I mean, look, of course they're all going to try to get Zion Williamson as a marketing. You could be his marketing agent. He's a billion dollar client. I, I I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I remember talking to an agent during LeBron James's senior year, and we were discussing the the the, the Hummer that his mother you know, kind of was able to basically walk into a dealership in Akron and get a, a Hummer car yep. truck and just uh, walk. Yeah, well, pay, pay me in six months. I don't give a crap. Right. Right. right? I want he's driving. I just got the hottest guy in town to drive the, my cars. Who cares? However, it went down. And he, I remember him sitting there saying, he goes, I would get one million dollars in cash right now. Deliver it to her living room if she would sign if they would sign with me. Yeah. And I just this was a long time ago. I remember being like a million. And then he's like, He's going to make a billion dollars. If I get, you know, if I get a, a cut of that, it's not even close. You pay to get customer. How much does it cost to get a customer? Every customer costs money to get, whether it's any business. And of course, why wouldn't you do what she's doing? I'll pay all the parents, all the stuff. And this is how it works. Not the way the Southern District said in the uh, federal cases where let's pay, let's bribe the assistant coaches at Duke and they'll deliver the play. That's not how it works. So all of these guys are getting it. It's okay. It's okay. It'll change. Now it might be a Duke. Now, now maybe they don't, he doesn't have to go with, with marketing agents who are going to sue. He can retain some of his uh, freedom to make a decision at a later point. He could sign briefly with a marketing agent or something like that. And he could get money from Duke boosters to play basketball at Duke, which we all want which we all want to see everything can be on the up and up. No one's sitting there going, Oh, coach case. It's going to be, it's still going to be nuts, but this is nuts. We just didn't see it in real time. Well, the great point that you made there, Dan is, is you, we've seen, look, you go back to Marcus Camby, you go to Reggie Bush, you go to Laramie Tunsil, you go to this, you sign with a bad agent or an agent that you then screw over for another agent, you're in trouble. Because that the, the agent you screwed over is going to ruin you. That whole scam may now be out the window with the new rules. But so many of these guys, I think, when they're doing all this behind closed doors, under the table, at a young age, unsophisticated parents maybe, are signing with bad agents. Or people that don't really know what they're doing or undercutting their own potential. Whereas now maybe they're going to get a little more education on things and go into a better situation with an agent to begin with. Now they may still sign a you know a premature deal. Pete had some good information on that in his story where 
you know, you, you may you may enter into a bad deal for thirty thousand dollars when you're sixteen or seventeen or eighteen, when you could be getting yourself a half million if you're doing it right later on. But still, I just think that the 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 fact that so many of these agent deals have been done with either with shady people or behind closed doors or under the table uh, has done a disservice to a lot of kids that's come back to bite them. Because, like I said before, the NBA agent I was talking to is exact. He has high level clients. A presume this is exactly who you want representing you. Yeah, and he's looking and going. I ain't even walking. I ain't even want to meet the kid. I don't even want. I'm not even going to offer my services because this is so screwed up. That if I offer my services, I, you know, I'm not going to get them. And so you end up having all the wrong people around the player and his family rather than the right people yep. who are far less likely to screw you over, steal from you, cut you into bad deals. You want the best representation. Right. So it the whole thing is it, it doesn't serve anybody uh, to do it this way. Yeah. And I think to piggyback on Pat's point, like there will be more information and it will be above board. But I just think. Some kid's going to go viral at 14 in a dunk and the same low level people are trying to do the under the table deals now are going to swoop in and the nuances like contract length and signing away your future and all that stuff because people are just going to like be buckshotting for the next Zion. So I just don't think it's going to be a neat, clean transition to this next level. I think there's going to be a lot of hard lessons learned, a lot of lawsuits, a lot of trying to get out of one deal to go to the next deal. I just think like that's going to be the reality of the of the next marketplace. It's going to be aggression to sign, followed by some moderate like moments of prosperity, but then followed by, oh, God, I got to get out of this. This was a bad deal. This guy screwed me. If I only knew then what I knew now. I mean, you're seeing that a ton now, and I don't think that ends. I just think it, like, becomes earlier in reformats. Don't sign a long-term deal. It'll end up being like the music industry where you have, like, you know, some Taylor Swift, and then she's got, like, she's sold five gazillion now. I don't know if Taylor Swift, but I'm just using her as an example. Like, she sold, you know. 50 million albums got like, you know, $45,000 or something like that out of it. You know, you always hear about those bad record deals. Like I was shocked when I heard Zion ever entered into an agreement with this woman to begin with. And coming out of Duke when he was with the, with all the cachet he had, I figure he is going top line agent and he signs with Gina Ford. My theory is that it's because they were already in, in to the hooks with Gina Ford. And that they were afraid they had, they thought they had to stay with her. And then they figured out a few weeks or months into it, okay, no, we're going to get rid of this. But I, I think that they were probably all getting paid by Gina Ford already. And that's the thing. Be careful who you're taking money from. All right. Kansas fans, I know you have enjoyed this entire discussion <laughs> thus far. <laughs> because we're finally talking about Duke. Although we always talk about Duke. Pat can and run going, for governor yes. in Kansas, by the way. He may this, win. Yeah. He's very yeah. popular. Yeah, I bet he's very popular. <laughs> yes, they're talking about Duke. This is the greatest podcast ever. Well, all right. Not so good for you now. We're here for you, Jayhawk. Sorry. Five level one violations the NCAA dropped on Kansas and a nasty letter of retort to Kansas's bet. The money quote, the institution secured significant recruiting and competitive advantages by committing alleged level one men's basketball violations. The institution in taking its defiant posture in this case is indifferent to how alleged violations may have adversely impacted other NCA institutions who acted in compliance with NCA legislation. I will defend the NCA here on this. They're right about that. 
Okay. I don't like the rules, but if you're going to have the rules, those are the rules. And someone's getting beat because you ain't playing by them. So Pat 40, you seem to have some thoughts <laughs> in a, in a stirring and very, very good call about SI.com about uh, Kansas and uh, the NCA. Go ahead there. Governor candidate. See if you, you, you probably can carry Manhattan, Kansas. You win that. Like <laughs> I think I could carry Manhattan. Nine to one. Yeah, Manhattan and, the, and whatever the precinct is at Wichita State University. That, that might be it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, the, the thing that stuck out to me, I read all 92 pages of the, of the NCAA's response. And it was, it was well-written. It was well-worded. It was for, very forceful. And it's going to be a really contentious hearing, whether it goes into to that IARP or whether it stays in the normal uh, pipeline. That's going to be a doozy of a hearing. But what was a, what the NCAA really, I thought, hammered home effectively is all these Kansas administrators who thought T.J. Gasnola is a friggin' bum. One of them referred to him as a scumbag. Another compared him to L Lucky Luciano. Another one said that he was a... a, a um, uh, oh gosh, what's the daggone show? Soprano, Tony Soprano want to be. The reviews for, for TJ Gasnola were not glowing. And at the same time, <laughs> all those administrators, one of whom was the director of compliance, <laughs> did nothing about it. They didn't like, hey, you know, yeah, you're, you're just going to do what you do and we can't tell you anything. We, we didn't go talk to Bill Self and say, hey, we don't like the guy. We didn't tell the guy, hey, watch what you're doing. We are watching you. They didn't do anything. They didn't call Adidas and say, get this guy off our campus. So if the NCAA can make stick that these guys were representatives of Kansas's athletic interests, which of course they were, this shouldn't be that hard to make stick because they were absolutely recruiting for them and paying players that went to Kansas. Then I think Kansas is in a world of hurt here. Uh, I think the lack of institutional control penalty is going to be very much in play here. Bill Self's penalties are going to be very much in play because they invited the Fox into the hen house. They wanted the Fox in the hen house. They got burned by the Fox in the hen house. And then they had to try to explain that, no, no, the Fox, we had no idea what the Fox was doing in the hen house. Not a good strategy. They didn't just invite the Fox in. They built him like a guest suite yeah, and yeah. like gave him a plush leather sofa. Like it, it here's my like 30,000 foot takeaway on, on this. And Pat did write a great column on SI.com about this. Like TJ. So Kansas wins 14 big 12s in a row, right? Like <laughs> uh, just like completely anomalous in modern, in modern basketball. And essentially Bill Self in a lot of ways, and bear with me on this, that is probably the most impressive streak in our in this generation of basketball. Is that fair? Like just overall, it's up it, there. It, it's, it is. It's, it's it is very impressive, but it's also just a conference. But that's. But I understand. Yes. yes. But just yeah. the way, like when John Wooden was winning national titles at UCLA, just the world was very different. It was right. less competitive, etc. And and the roster switches every year, so yes. it's yeah. hard to do. Hard yes. To do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very hard so, to do. Yes. And you're you're in the middle of a wheat field. Yes. There's, there's no players. <laughs> this is a LA. Saying, yeah. <laughs> Which has always been the point with Kansas, has right. it not? Going back to yeah. Will Chamberlain. Like, yeah. TJ Gasnola is like Bill Self's run is unparalleled in this modern basketball. TJ Gasnola is going to be to Bill Self what Sam Gilbert has been to John Wooden when people look back on that thing. He was the person who enabled this to happen in a, in a lot of different ways. If you think this all of a sudden in year 12 of this streak, this was the first time that Adidas enabled players to go to Kansas, you are insane and crazy, all right? So like, 
That's why, like, all these Kansas fans are angry. And it's like, no, you had a 14-year run where you benefited from this relationship. And nobody's admitted that more than Kansas because in the middle of this, with no self-awareness, they re-upped and patted themselves on the back for doing it. So I really think that anyone... Hey, you know, the people who are arguing that the most ridiculous one is, oh, it's a slippery slope to say that the shoe could be. No, T.J. Gasnola was like a bag man. He was a bag man essentially on the payroll, you know, for 15 years, right? Or, or however however long it was. Like it's Adidas has been feeding guys to Kansas for a very long time. And Kansas fans should be lucky they just took them this long to get caught. Like that's how I'm looking at this from 30,000 feet. And I do give the NSA credit they have not backed down in this, right? Like for the few remaining people who are optimistic that there will be punitive results from this, to me, the takeaway from the NCAA's 92 page retort is like, all right, we're going after it. We're, we're not backing down. Like, and you know, we'll see if that lasts. We'll see how it goes in the hearing. Kansas is obviously like lawyered up to the hilt and is going to do everything possible. And they are, they are standing by Bill Self now. Like they may keep him if there's a year suspension. Like they are, they are, all in on uh, on Bill Self. And it is, as Pat pointed out, it is going to be a contentious fight. But I just, all these sort of like excuse-making type things, I just can't, I just can't buy it. To me, it is as clear and naked in front of us as the day is long. Like, there it is. This is what happened. This is how Kansas did it. This is how, it, it wasn't the high-low offense, all right, guys? It wasn't the high-low offense that got him 14 straight, Right. Here it was. They had a pipeline built in to get them players. We got a window into that pipeline, and that's just the reality. And in you know, like any anyone who thinks anything different, sorry, like I'm just I'm just not buying it. Yeah, some of these uh, some of these these defenses, my God, are just uh, they're comical, comically bad. A slippery slope, like uh, how how will AAU basketball or everybody will be a representative of school? Give me a break. I mean, like, how dumb do you want me to be? <laughs> I mean, this is just this is just it's just obvious, as you point out. And look, Mike Shashevsky can say, I didn't know Gina Ford. I don't I never met Gina. I don't know what's going on in Spartanburg, South Carolina. I can't be around this kid. Fair counter argument. Okay, now believe it. Don't believe it. Think you should have been more diligent. That's the defense. That's always been the defense. The night before Bill Self got in the Hall of Fame, he had dinner with <laughs> TJ Gasnola at yeah. a, a quarter okay. million dollar <laughs> celebration that Adidas paid for. It's hard to spend a quarter He's million dollars quotes. in Springfield. <laughs> we got to get some dudes or we got to get some. I mean, they're texting all the I mean it's absurd. It's not who the hell's Gina for. I can, I honestly, I'm sure coach K never met this woman. I bet she didn't even care if, if where Zion went might not have because just wants Zion would have been actually easier at Clemson. If mm -hmm. he had gone to Clemson, all of that's fine. You cannot separate this. And then you can't sit there as, and you go, well, how should you have known he was up to this? Your compliance director called him Tony Soprano or something like that. <laughs> Yeah. I, and yeah. if you've ever seen TJ Gasnoli, you ever talked to him, he's he's hysterical. He is colorful. I, I I like him. I think everybody likes everybody likes him, right? TJ, I mean, he is a character. He's a character. Maybe not everyone likes him, <laughs> but only because you he's can't not miss on him. their side. <laughs> yeah, you can't miss him. And they only don't like him because he's not on their side. He ain't That's subtle. The only. He ain't sneaking right. around ain't, anywhere. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. This is a ridiculous. And so, uh, well, I mean, some of these excuses, it's like, I guess you got to come up with an excuse for some people, but it's like, that's not an excuse. If they get away with this, it's because they pulled like the Bill Clinton defense of like, the, what's the definition of is? Yeah. 
right. you know, and, and, and somehow they stay, they, they sneak through, but yeah. I'm not, I'm never buying it anyway. So this underscores anyway. their desperation to me, you know, like they pandered to the base and raw rod against it. Like I just, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. And you know, we said earlier, you shouldn't come here for legal advice. I can't see Kansas escape. I see no pathway for Kansas to escape this clean. Like yeah. not with the not with the, the NCAA having a shred of credibility left. I mean, this is yeah, literally right. this is the this is the Jerry Tarkanian. They're so mad at Kentucky they hit Cleveland. I mean, if yeah. you can't catch Kansas right now, and that's why <laughs> I think they are doubled down. Yep. They have they, they have doubled down on it uh and, and are, are absolutely hammering them. Yeah. yeah. Let, uh, let me ask Pat this, because Pat pays attention more in the weeds, maybe, than than the two of us to the NCAA stuff. And I mean that in a very good way. He's diligent about it. So like as we discuss sort of the nuances of this case, whenever a case comes up and I'm talking to a coach or someone's a fan, like they don't care about the notice of this and the whatever that they want to, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? So with Kansas has always been throughout all this, the, the, I, I've felt like, and I think you have too, Pat, the, the school with the most exposure because they had the most come up in, in federal court. Basically the NCAA had the most things spoon fed to them. Could they get like, when we, we talked about punishments with Louisville on, on the last pod, could like what? How many year ban postseason could Kansas get? Could it go beyond two? Like, is that like we we really haven't seen two? Like, two is rare. Um, we're talking about oldness football, some of the real blatant ones. Could Kansas go beyond two? Like, like forget all the 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 details and just to pare down on what will the punishment be? Could Kansas get more than two? Pat violation level one aggravated circumstances postseason ban. Two to four years for aggravated circumstances. So two would be the minimum if they say they were aggravated circumstances. Four yeah. would be the and maximum. Five. Yeah. Each there's... case, we could get a twenty-year ban. That <laughs> <laughs> does say competition penalties may be used singularly or in combination. So probably you're not getting twenty years out of it. Okay. Uh, It'd be like one of those, like when the judge just goes nuts and sentences someone to like. 1300 years in prison or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's scumbag. I'll never get out. You have 17 uh, consecutive life sentences. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you do think Pat just like, cause, cause I've read those penalties before and then we see the reality and all the reality is always less than what it says. Two years, do you think Max. we could see more than two year postseason ban with cancer? I think the enforcement department would very much like to see more than two years. Uh, we'll see, you know what, if this does go committee on infractions, I would say there's a chance. Yeah. Three to four. Wow. It's independent re resolution panel. I don't know. What, you know, we, nobody knows what they're going to do. So they, they could say two, they could say four, they could say, no, we side with Kansas. Uh, if, you know, we'll see where it goes. I, you know, yeah, I think it's possible though. This could be one of the biggest penalties we've ever seen just because as wow. we laid out, they have got a lot of ammo and I think they feel very strongly about their ammo and talking to some lawyers, you know, who parsed this whole thing. They don't feel very good about Kansas chance of talking in their, their way out of this. I mean, Tim, Mike, Mark, Mike Lazier is a very, very skilled attorney, but he's got his work cut out for him uh, in this one. And it, like Dan, as you as you were alluding to this, these are the, the principles involved are in concert with the people who are literally handing out the money. So it's a tough one to, to talk your way around and walk your way around. So it's interesting. Kansas fans, to me, like have almost, not all of them, because some of them are still trying to find, come up with these, you know, absurd fairy tale defenses. But it's now it's, it's, you know, what about Duke? Let's talk about Duke. When they start pointing their fingers elsewhere, that's when they're in trouble because they've run out of defenses for their own program.
Everybody else is doing it. Yeah, they, they are. They just didn't get caught as blatantly as you did, Kansas. Doesn't mean so. we don't discuss this. Yeah, and and I think one of their other problems, it's like, well, how did? Because one of the key players is is Billy Preston, yep. and his mother uh, Nicole Player. And then you go again, like Duke can argue. Well, look, this happened. Uh, I don't know how they met. I don't know how you know this marketing person and Zion's stepdad. I don't know. Billy uh, Nicole Player met. TJ Gasnola on his official recruiting visit to Kansas when they were both staying in the exact same hotel yeah, right on, next to Kansas. Right? The on-campus like, hotel where they put all the recruits. Yeah. Uh, anybody can get a room there. True, but boy, that's a sweet coincidence. You know, so it's not like pre-existing relationships or like I, I do understand some of these coaches. How am I supposed to know what's going on in some town, you know, far away? If TJ Gasnola met Nicole Blair during an AAU event and and they were hanging out together in Dallas. That's fine. That you got got a case, but come on. So I mean, they have the bank records. Look, part of the reason <laughs> why the NCAA is so ineffective, like over the years in in trying to uh, adjudicate these cases, is it's like somebody's third cousin from a marketing firm who has no credibility trying to get back or whatever. But like they have bank records. Yeah. Like this is like never happened before. So you, you'd like to think even the NCA can't screw this up. Like yeah. you'd like to think it is that obvious and that blatant that it, that it is there. Like their bank records. And didn't Nicole player try to lie and say she was in a relationship with TJ Gasnola. That was like that. That's how desperate they were. Yeah. yeah. And she has a wife or a girlfriend. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Right. So yeah. Tough. TJ goes, gee, thanks. He says on the stand. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks. <laughs> he goes, I hope he, she wanted to clue him in so that his fiance didn't get jealous, which I mean, this whole thing was just hysterical. The, the only thing Kansas has to hold itself to is TJ on the stand said, well, Bill Self didn't know. I did not discuss this payment. So that's your that's your defense. But the fact is, there was an open line of communication between the two of them and so many leading questions. We got just got to get some dudes, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. and right. TJ was defining. So, and we need to get you the dudes. Oh, yeah. You're sorry, the, sorry yeah. we didn't get you Aiton, who he yeah. paid fifteen thousand dollars. Yes. So, yeah. no, but, what he did with Aiton is exactly what he was supposed to do. Yeah. Put Kansas in position to land the number one recruit in the country is going to be the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. Like, that was his job. Yeah. That didn't just start magically with Silvio D'Souza and Billy Preston, who are two forgettable people in the basketball universe. Like, that didn't just happen. Like, TJ Gaston has been an Adidas foot soldier for almost two decades. I'll never forget going to uh, the Las Vegas AU tournament. I was working for the New York Times. It was July of, I want to say, 08. And Bob Holler, who's a great investigative reporter in Boston, had done like a three-part AAU series, and one of them was on TJ. So I'm sitting in Rancho or one of those gyms we've all sat in in Vegas. So I flew there, and I have the physical newspaper. We're kind of like pre-social media stuff. And I'm showing an assistant coach the article on TJ, right? And it's like this, you know, really long, well done, 3000 word expose that's showing sort of his, his, you know, not only shadiness running the AU program, but also with like credit cards expiring and traffic violations and all these other periphery legal things that have happened in his life. And all of a sudden I look up and there's like eight assistant coaches crowding around me, reading the article over <laughs> my shoulder. OK, so this is 12 years ago. These weren't like this. Yeah. This wasn't like a state secret of what he was doing and how he was doing. it. Right. 
Yep. One more, one more quick thing. Do you remember when Self did the uh, late night promo for their Midnight Madness thing, oh, wearing yeah. the 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 gold chain and the big Adidas logo on the shirt? We talked about that on the podcast, of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, that didn't <laughs> we escape did the NCAA. Pod. Yeah, that didn't escape the NCAA's notice either. That was footnoted in there. That whole thing. So you want to you want to <laughs> flaunt it? Well, it may come back to hurt you. All right. And you know, we've said uh, repeatedly, don't turn here for legal advice but i disagree because we will have a people's court later oh, oh good yes. good maybe we're not lawyers but we're judges but i think all judges have to be lawyers i don't know uh, <laughs> i maybe don't think that's you can problem. skip that step <laughs> will anybody flush a toilet during it i don't you know that's really the question they somebody figured out who the justice was but i right. can't remember yeah. i read that it was I, slate it was very good Sully sent that article yeah, um but i yeah nobody knows it wasn't one of the famous ones. It no. was just one of these other guys. Yeah. We, Pete can name the assistant strength coach <laughs> at, <laughs> at North Texas. <laughs> but I can't right, name I'm the no Supreme, Supreme Court, Court justice. justice. That's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? I know a couple of them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, never going to be in front of them, so I don't really need to know. But I may be at North Texas. <laughs> quick update so that we sneak some football in here before we get to dead bodies and uh, other things. On draft night, we speculated that Joe Burrow was drafted number one and then returned to his boyhood bedroom and slept in a in an Ohio State themed bedroom with like Ohio State curtains and a Craig Krenzel poster on the wall. Okay, this was not accurate, but we were damn close. I'd like to point out he admitted to Barstool that his bedroom is still decorated in a Star Wars theme. <laughs> that is tremendous. The number one draft pick is still stuck at home <laughs> with his dad making fun of him. He goes, I thought you were a millionaire. <laughs> uh, he said he did get a new comforter, though. He does not have the Star Wars comforter. So, but he may have the trash can and the whole thing. So I had the trash can growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, got it. Right. Got it. Uh, um, as sure as we are going to discuss anytime Duke is in trouble, we are also going to discuss when dead bodies are found at the athletic department in Pat's hometown, which has just become rich with podcast content. Pat. The University of Louisville comes back up. Now, I am sad about this dead body, but I don't know. My condolences. I don't <laughs> the know. empathy is just seeping yeah. through yeah. our call right well. now. I don't know that what was, I don't That know was what an unconvincing <laughs> thoughts and prayers to the victim's family. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm reading the Louisville Courier Journal, and I don't think they had any sympathy either. So no. I'm shaped by the mainstream media. Okay. The Floyd County Sheriff's Department in Indiana found a body Monday in the home of fired U University of Louisville dance coach Todd Sharp. He said he uh, Sharp met this guy. Uh, he claims he met this guy while walking Sunday on Bardstown Road. He looked hungry and brought him some food and then offered to take him to his house in Floyd's Knob. Uh, and then uh, the next day, the guy he found him dead. So uh, sad. Uh, they, the inspectors do not in, in, uh, suspect foul play, uh, simple death investigation. Uh, now, this is the same guy, Pat, uh, once like fired a gun and shot himself. Please, yeah. please, please, um, enlighten us on this corner of University of this week in Louisville <laughs> madness. <Yeah. laughs> I said on local radio here that only in Louisville can you have a dance coach who becomes a celebrity 
I mean, this guy's like a big deal. Everybody knows who Todd Sharp is because Louisville's dance team won all the national championships. Although even that, they, they, you want to talk about uh, controversial national championships where uh, they used to have back, you know, the 1925 football championship. Well, there's like two or three different championships in the NC in college dance. And so all these different schools claim them. But Louisville says they won, I don't know, 20 dance championships. And so Todd Sharp's this big famous guy. And they've got, you know, all these little youth kid dance teams that are training kids the way Louisville trains them so they can eventually come and become lady cards and dance. And he had his own reality show. I can't remember what network it was that showed it, but it was, I mean, the, he's this big, larger than life kind of character. He's an outrageous guy, uh, outspoken, arrogant, cocky, flamboyant, whatever you want to say. And he was he was a Tom Jurich guy. He was part of the whole Tom Jurich mafia. Uh, he ended up being swept out. And then he, yeah, that's when he showed up uh, at a Vince, Vince Tyre, the new AD, at a function that he was at and shot himself in the leg. Why he was packing heat at this, I don't know. But he was, and now this is the next headline here. And yeah, so person he meets on Bardstown Road. Maybe this was truly an act of altruism and he takes him in. I don't know, man. Uh, you can meet a lot of people on Bardstown Road. Uh, <laughs> and in this, Pat, you live on Bardstown Road. I do not. <laughs> no, I do no, not. No. Molly Malone's but is on Bardstown Road. I know it that. is. It's a long road. There's a lot of really good restaurants and bars yeah. on it. There's also good. a lot of sketch. And at this time, when the restaurants and bars aren't open, there's probably more sketch than there is anything else. So what this guy was doing there, what Todd Sharp was doing there, how he ended up with him at his house. And he dies in his house. Uh, you know, I mean, we'll see what comes out of it. But yeah, this is a classic City of Louisville headline. Only here does the celebrity dance coach who shot himself in the leg at a Louisville function end up with a dead body in his house. Way to go. Was fired for stealing $40,000. I'm just Googling him now. Yeah. And he also, and I'm not, I'm not saying this like you should have known this. Like, this is how much stuff happened with this guy. There was also a cheerleader of his who died in 2014 oh, right. of a drug suspected overdose. drug overdose. Yep. And also, while Googling this, attached at the bottom of one of the articles was a good little one we forget of the O-line coach under Petrino getting a DUI for pulling over the highway on, like, walking. It was like it was like the Louisville roundup of, like, of, of like this, oh, yeah. this week in Cretans, our athletic department employees. <laughs> this is what happened on, in the Tom Jurich era. Yeah, so, I love that. Place. Yeah. Like, that go, is. Go uh, cards. You, you live in a strange town, Pat. Oh, oh, yeah. Strange town. So I tweeted this about Louisville, and someone was like, they found the body in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah across, eight, across eight the bridge. Away, like. Across the Sherman Minton Bridge. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get to people's court. As you know, we break down the major legal cases going, and this one involves Club Omaha. Club Omaha. Uh, which is a uh, gentleman's club. Mm. Apparently the gentlemen of Nebraska gather here. Uh, I'm not sure if Bo Pelini ever went. <laughs> uh, maybe his brother Carl might have been uh, more likely to have a gold club membership or something. I don't know. Maybe Brian Bowen went there on his visit to Creighton. That's why he <laughs> wanted to go to Creighton. See? The I dirty know. side. You think nothing happens in, in Nebraska and Creighton's just, right. there you go. I'm going to suggest Tom Osborne did not go to Club Omaha. Tom Osborne, probably not, although you never know. Sometimes, uh, you know, there's a shift in, in tone there. Anyway, Club Omaha was shuttered due to Nebraska's coronavirus uh, protection measures. Stay at home or whatever they're calling it there. Uh, stay, stay by the corn. 
It's been working. Very few deaths in Nebraska. However, club owner Shane Harrison, the owner of Club Omaha, is planning on opening May 14th. He has been uh, trying to open, and now he's going to says he's going to do it. He says the dancers will wear face masks and gloves. Okay? <laughs> I don't know. Very attractive. Um, Great but this appears to be against the law. But he is arguing under this legal precedent that if churches which hold hundreds of people, can open because they are private organizations, then his place can open because it, too, is a private club. Quote, I will go to jail for this. Mm. If they come into my club, they'll have to drag me out in handcuffs. <laughs> wow. Always handcuffs. a smart thing to say to the media, by the way, to, yeah, to <laughs> dare the authorities. Yeah. I guess this is a fetish joint. Handcuffs. <laughs> That's it. To each their own, not germane to this argument. So we're not going to judge uh, one way or the other on that. Uh, all right. So here's a ruling, uh, my two esteemed justices. Should a Nebraska gentleman's club be able to open via a religious exemption to the stay-at-home <laughs> order? Is there a sound argument here? Who wants to tackle this first? <laughs> I'll go first. Go if you, okay. if you think this club should open, you also think Kansas did not cheat to uh, to get <laughs> Billy Preston. So, no, stay close. Yeah, yeah, masks and gloves only. Not exactly like what the uh, not exactly what Dr. Fauci would recommend the uh, good people of Nebraska should be doing. So would no. many people go? Do you think many people would go? I mean, there's a lot of probably pent up demand. There's, I think <laughs> there's some pent up demand and some people that want to get out of their houses. So, um, you know what? Hey, mask, gloves. If that's your thing, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Check it out. Omaha. And, uh, you know, it, 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 hopefully after you go, you you go come back home and, you know, quarantine or take off your clothes and shower or whatever you're supposed to do. And, <laughs> You know, and uh, move on. Look, it, Earl Thomas went to the Airbnb. I think there's some guys out there that would end up going to, to Club Omaha. <laughs> Hashtag free the- Omaha, Pat Forty is saying. <laughs> Club Omaha. Well, neither of you answered the religious part. Uh, that's true. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't see a lot you know. of religion here, Dan. Like, I, I mean, this may be some people's religion, but I don't. That's not where I worship. Maybe if they do some like readings or some homilies or something, so kind of. <laughs> so they need like, yeah, en- entertainer. Um, you know, en- en- you know, entertainer Austin to to do a thing. I don't know. Let's... Read, yeah, Ecclesiastes from the stage <laughs> while wrapping around the pole. Uh, you know, whatever. I mean, religion is what you make it, I guess. I don't sure. know. It's very, very interesting. This could end up at the Supreme Court with a toilet flush. Uh, <laughs> all right. Now, I'll just add to this. There is, you know, because uh, the legal world, the law, we always are looking for precedents, right? Previous cases and stuff like that. And, and certainly in the appellate courts, this is a different jurisdiction, of course. But in Houston, uh, a strip club in the Galleria area, and they have a lot of them there, man. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah. you can't Galleria area's turn. got some stuff. Club Onyx. Club Onyx would tried to open, arguing it was a restaurant. Tried to claim it was a restaurant, but it cannot provide, quote-unquote, additional entertainment, even if the employees are fully clothed. So uh, you can't even have a clothes dance, according to this. And that's down in Texas. We're not allowing any lap dancing, and they have masks on. 
Texas, I think, is uh, Nebraska seems more conservative to me than Houston, right? Yeah, <laughs> slightly. So, like, but Sapphire is not going to be on stage three. She's going to be delivering your hamburger to you. It fully closed. Even if and, she brings her hamburger over, I don't think she can even like. Yeah, she can't you know, even walk a certain way. I don't know. <laughs> this seems very hard. I, don't, I think they're going to be playing this podcast at like Harvard Law for all their first year <laughs> students because we've covered so much legal nuance today. I feel like we can uh, we can educate the future lawyers of America on whether that's... Club Omaha can have a buffet and uh, and open up. <laughs> well, well, that's yeah, that's it. Like, is is the is the walk to deliver the food going to be regulated? Can you shimmy? Can you sashay? <laughs> or do you have to just walk a straight chased line like you're a server at, uh, you know, Red Robin? Exactly. I don't know. If you Why shimmy, you're out of here, yeah. Destiny. <laughs> this is the tyranny we're living under, eh? Is Trump going to tweet out, like, liberate Club Omaha? <laughs> <laughs> don't tempt him. Yeah, right. Don't put ideas in his head. <laughs> I mean, if that's how he feels, you know, the man speak. All right. That's our show. We'll be back. We had, uh, we got, we couldn't even get to nearly half the stuff we have. So we'll be back Thursday for more. Appreciate everyone listening. Talk to you soon. I'm Mike Lizikoff, chief investigative correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, editor-in-chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcast and be sure to follow us on social media at skullduggerypod